It's the early 1930s and a cold, dark night on the Long Island Sound, a stretch of water between Connecticut and Long Island, New York, and the northeastern United States. Even in this frigid darkness, one intrepid sailor is out on the water braving the elements. Cold, salty waves spray and pummel the schooner, drenching the sailor in the process. The boat's deck becomes increasingly slick, and it becomes nearly impossible to find good footing as the small boat violently lurches through the waves. An extra violent surge rocks the boat, and before you can blink, the sailor is washed overboard into the murky depths of the Atlantic. Welcome to the Immortal Souls Podcast, where we explore the history, stories, myths, legends, and hype that make shoes what they are today. We are Jared and Nick, two brothers with a passion for shoes. We are excited to have you along for the journey. Okay, don't worry. That sailor that washed overboard on that cold, dark night in the Atlantic, he survived. And he ended up using this dangerous experience to shape the rest of his life, which would go on to impact millions of people around the world. Paul Sperry was born in 1895 in New Haven, Connecticut, a coastal city steeped in ocean-going tradition. From his formative years, Paul was obsessed with all things outdoors, and there was never any doubt that salt water ran deep through his veins. He hated the classroom, preferring to hunt and ski and sail all around New Haven. Once Paul finished school, his father, Serino, purchased the Pond Lily Company, which specialized in processing textiles. Around this time, Paul headed off to join the Naval Reserve in 1917. After a year of service, Seaman First Class Sperry was released from duty with a head full of seafaring knowledge. Paul began work at the family firm as a salesman, while simultaneously starting Sperry Natural Decoys, which manufactured duck hunting accessories. This was the first time Paul was able to combine his passion for the outdoors with his natural aptitude for business. In 1925, he married a New Haven-born girl named Pauline. They would spend the rest of their lives together, but their first adventure was a honeymoon to Chesapeake Bay, duck hunting in the bone-chilling cold. Definitely not everyone's idea of a romantic getaway, but hey, to each their own. As the 1930s arrived, Paul resolved to buy a boat. His grandfather had been a shipbuilder before he served in the American Civil War, and Paul had inherited his grandfather's keen eye for ocean-going vessels. He purchased a schooner named Sirocco, and as the years passed, he and Pauline became increasingly enthralled by the marine lifestyle. They immersed themselves in the life, joining the Offshore Sounding Club and the New York Yacht Club, spending as much time as they could sailing from coast to coast. 
It was from the deck of his schooner, the Sirocco, that Paul tumbled into the Long Island Sound that fateful night. But he was able to grab onto some rigging, scramble back on the deck, and get safely to shore. Once he was back on land, Paul couldn't stop thinking about how easily he'd slipped off the wet deck of his boat. At that time, boating footwear consisted of either canvas uppers with a slab of rubber glued to the bottom, or shoes with coiled rope soles. Crepe was the preferable material, but it was slippery when the deck was wet, whereas the rope sole would slip when it was bone dry. Sailing barefoot was not an option either, as those foolish enough to try it were practically asking for broken toes and damaged feet. Hour after hour, Paul began experimenting with ways to make a non-slip shoe for boating. It turned out the answer lay with the unlikeliest of sources, his cocker spaniel, Prince. One cold day, Paul watched Prince scramble across slick patches of ice without so much as a misstep or hesitation. Prince's ability to run nimbly over a sheet of ice and snow without slipping got Paul to thinking. He used a penknife to carve some cuts into a rubber outsole that mimicked the grooves on Prince's paws. Eventually, he would settle on a herringbone pattern as the most effective against slippage. It was the first step toward what became his patented razor-siping sole. The cutting of grooves in the sole of the shoes was an implementation of a process of splitting or siping a shoe sole, which had been invented and patented in the 1920s by John Sipe. This process was instrumental in maximizing the traction of the first authentic original Sperry Topsider boat shoe, which was first introduced in 1935. Sperry's first shoe featured a white outsole, which prevented the shoes from leaving marks on a boat's deck. Where'd the name Topsider come from? Well, sailors refer to the upper deck of a ship as Topside, so it's a fitting moniker for shoes that allow them to stay Topside without slipping overboard. The first Sperry Topsider was initially sold through direct mail channels, Paul sent letters to all 500 members of his yacht club and was immediately inundated with orders. 497 of those 500 responded with a request for a pair of topsiders. The word was out, and Paul soon received a huge order from his old friend Frank Howard at Abercrombie & Fitch. He is so Abercrombie. No shizzle. That's a hot cup of caramel cream in a duck hole cobble Oxford. Paul told Howard that he couldn't afford to sell his shoes wholesale. But a few days later, Paul received another huge order. Paul and Frank Howard negotiated a wholesale price that kept the retail tag manageable, and the deal was done. This momentum carried on, and it didn't take long before the Sperry Topsider had made its way to every corner of the USA. Paul Sperry was a natural innovator. The success of the first topsider model, the canvas circular vamp Oxford, or CVO, was encouraging, but Paul knew he could produce a sturdier leather version of his non-slip shoe. He just 
hadn't quite figured out how. Between 1935 and 1937, Paul Sperry developed the design that is now synonymous with the term boat shoe. The leather topsider, known as the Authentic Original, or AO, was the first to utilize the classic moccasin toe stitching, as well as the iconic saddle lacing, which is where the shoelaces wrap around the ankle to tighten up the collar of the shoe. Paul also came up with a new way of tanning leather, so that repeated exposure to salt and water wouldn't crumble the shoe to bits. The authentic original was immediately picked up by Sperry's retail network and was another booming success. Originally popular within the boating niche, Sperry's boat shoes proved so effective that in 1939, the U.S. Navy named his shoes one of the military branch's official shoes, including aboard aircraft carriers, and as the official footwear of the United States Naval Academy casual uniform. You could say that because of a humble dog, many sailors were able to do their duty more safely and return home alive and well. Sperry Topsiders would continue full steam ahead in fashion and culture, thriving through the 50s, becoming a casual staple in the 60s on college campuses across America, dominating preppy style loved by celebrities, and continuing to expand well beyond the maritime market over the decades. Sperry's combined innovation and new colors and materials with a loyalty to the tradition and classic features that put Sperry's shoes on the map in the first place. At one point, the company also produced necessities for life at sea, including foul weather suits and rubber dinghy boats. Sperry himself continued to work for his company until he died at the age of 82 in 1987. Sperry's have been purchased in the millions, and the brand is valued at well over a billion dollars today. Often paired with Madras shorts, chinos, Oxford shirts, and loose-fit blazers, the boat shoes are still a staple for countless people, seen usually during the warmer months in the office, at school, out on the town, and yes, still on the top side of boats all around the world and all because of one very dedicated man who was tired of slippery boat decks, the paws of a cocker spaniel named Prince, and in Sperry's own words, because I fell overboard. I think one important lesson we can all learn from Paul Sperry is that if you can't figure out your purpose, then figure out your passion. Our passion will lead us right to our purpose. And once we've found our purpose, we can best serve and lift up the world around us. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Immortal Souls podcast. For more information, show notes, pictures, or just to say hi, check us out at immortalsoulspodcast.com, Instagram, or Twitter. Original theme music by Scott Spriggs. Five-star reviews are always helpful and hugely appreciated. Until next time, keep walking the roads less traveled.